Hey, people. How y'all doing out there? Uh, welcome to episode two of the Football Frame of Mind podcast. Your co-host Cam here with my other co-host, Brandon. How you doing today, bro? Doing all right. How about you, man? Good. I'm good. I'm good. Ready to talk some college football today? Oh, yes, sir. All right. Cool, cool, cool. All right. So we're going to get right into it. Got a lot to talk about today. Um, so my first question to you, man, uh, first topic today is uh, conference realignment, man. How you feel about it? It To me, it's kind of a mixed bag of chips. So there's a lot of things I like and there's parts of it I don't like. And I guess we'll get into like teams moving in a little while. But as of like just a opinion, I don't see anything wrong with college football realignment. I think as long as it's kind of like how we said the playoff and everything last time, how as long as it's structured right. Right. To where we're not having overpowered conferences and because there's a lot of talk of certain conferences liquidating and stuff like that and to where it's just like two really big conferences and I think that would be worst case scenario yeah. but uh, I, I really have a good feeling about it because some of these other teams that maybe weren't on the main stage before now they get to be on the main stage competing against other teams and getting opportunities that they wouldn't have had before but I could definitely see how it could go bad, but I mean, I have a good feeling about it for the most part. Okay. Okay. Uh, well, all right. I, I agree with you. I think the the little teams will be able to get, you know, going to these conferences like uh, San Diego State, for example, uh, going, I think, to maybe the Pac-12, maybe, mm-hmm. maybe. So if they're going to the Pac-12, that's good because that's a boost in revenue and, you know, um, be a good chance for them to kind of get the notoriety because there's a lot of good players that came from that school, you know, for example. Mm-hmm. Uh, but like I said, I feel I feel like conference realignment is a good thing for college football. It's been around for a long time. I mean, people moving conference since the 80s, since before the end. Shoot, mm-hmm. People don't even know for real that Georgia Tech was in the SEC at one time. You know what I'm saying? So, right? You know what I'm saying? They had a school called Swanee University that was in the SEC at one time. That's a major you know throwback. Throwback, right? And that's like the best team in the history of college football that don't nobody really know. You know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? But for a good stretch, they ran the SEC. You know what I'm saying? Now mm-hmm. you go into conference realignment, right? That's why those schools kind of left. You know, uh, obviously Georgia Tech going to the ACC at one point, right? So I think the history of it is it's always been a positive thing. But as we move forward in the future, I think it's hurting the game a little bit because the moves aren't always good for the sport. Like, because we think about just for a football perspective, right? But like, what about the lacrosse team? You know what I'm saying? They got to move to another conference, too, because the football team moving, right? Yeah. So those are things that people don't really understand that maybe it hurts the other sports, in a sense. But keeping it just football, I think it's hurting football, in a sense, because there are so many uh, – it's, it's more – it's kind of more money-driven, like I'd say it that way, uh, mm-hmm. to where it's not really good for the product because you're taking rivalries away, you know, like uh, USC going to the pack, going to the Big Ten in a couple of years, you know what I'm saying? Like, like geographically, that makes no sense at all. But mm-hmm. money-wise, it makes a lot of sense 
because the Pac-12 is going through some tough times right now to the point where they having trouble with their TV deals and stuff, right? So, you know, Big Ten's having trouble with their TV deals. So all of this conference realignment, it, it might just be smoke and mirrors at the end of the day because, mm-hmm. you know, all these TV deals, which are the reason for the realignment, are not even set in stone yet. So when you think about bigger picture, like what what are you really moving for? Is it for competition? Which I agree with, you know what I'm saying? Like going back in time to uh, Miami going to the ACC, leaving the Big, big East, right? Mm-hmm. For a competition standpoint, that made sense. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. You know, you're going where the other you know, Florida schools are at the time. You know, you're going where your hotbed is, where your where your fan base is, where you can constantly, you know, keep growing, right? And monetarily it was good too, because the ACC got a boom, you know what I'm saying, with Miami coming in. So when you think about those things from a historical standpoint, it works, you know, it, it works, but you have to understand if it's a good move. So getting in a conference realignment. What do you feel about the historical significance of it? Uh, do you like how how it's transformed college football or not? I feel like I do because, I mean, it creates up until now with how you uh, brought up, like, the money and things like that. I feel like for the most part of it to that point, I think money played a part in it. But a lot of it is trying to deepen, I guess, the how do I – the traditions – and trying to grow and get bigger. A lot of these teams are leaving for better competition to try to have a fresh start. Or maybe they're thinking, okay, maybe we're struggling with recruiting. Maybe we're struggling to find the players we want, or maybe the coaches we're trying to get a hold of. Maybe we need to get a fresh start and maybe join a new conference. So, I mean, for the most part, no, I think conference realignment's a really good thing. It gives colleges and players a better opportunity to maybe maybe reach heights they couldn't before or play other teams they couldn't before and get put opportunities that maybe they couldn't have before. I mean, obviously, every situation is going to have pros and cons. Right. But from a historical standpoint, I think conference realignment is really beneficial for the most part. It's funny you mention that, um, you know, teams, in a sense, right, uh, getting a chance to play. or But I think when you mentioned that, I instantly thought of uh, recruiting. You know, mm-hmm. a recruiting base that maybe a team couldn't get to, but since they joined the um, conference or whatever, I, I, I instantly go to uh, Arkansas, leaving the Southwest Conference and going to the SEC. Like, I mm-hmm. think that opened up a whole different, you know, base of recruiting. Like, they obviously dominated in Texas, right? And mm-hmm. Arkansas, obviously, that's their state or whatever. And maybe into, you know, places like Tennessee or whatever, right? But going to the SEC, I think, allowed them to kind of venture into places like Florida or Georgia or uh, or we even go Alabama for some, for some players, you know, uh, Louisiana mm-hmm. for sure. Like, I think anybody, anybody who's in their right mind that will re- recruit there. But I think oh, – yeah. But I think, you know, realignment has definitely had an effect on um, on recruiting because I, I don't think certain teams would make certain moves if it wasn't, you know, about recruiting. 
at the end of if the it wasn't beneficial for that yeah definitely like nebraska comes to mind too going to leaving the big 12 to go to the big 10 i was like mm-hmm. like like back when i was like a an actual like player i was like okay cool right they're going you know kind of a mid-state kind of thing central to the u.s kind of thing i'm like all right mm-hmm. it fits right but as i got older and i started thinking about it i was like I don't know, man. That don't really make sense now, now that I think about it, because not really. Nebraska was Big 12 forever, Big 8, actually, you know? So mm-hmm. for them to leave, like, I felt like that hurt them in recruiting more so than they thought it would, you know? It's translated to the field, man. You can you can tell right. by the product putting out the last decade or so is not the same team. I mean, right. if it was still in the Big 12, whether it be like with a lot of air raid teams or not, they would be getting their hands on players from Texas, from Oklahoma. You probably still would be getting guys from Louisiana if you're not getting any right now. I think that's definitely hurt them. And I think what they haven't been relevant for, man, five, ten years, they haven't been really like they, – they're not meant to be in the Big Ten. Yeah, yeah, it doesn't fit. It doesn't fit at all. You know what I'm saying? Like, and it's funny you say that. Like, haven't been relevant, and it shows on the field. It really does. Like, I think they, the athletes they had when they were in a heyday, didn't really translate to a triple option. But they was Mm -hmm. blowing people out of the water with athletes running a triple option. I think Mm -hmm. you could easily do that now. You know what I'm saying? As long as you got the athletes to do it. You know what I'm saying? Like every quarterback they had was probably in the Heisman candidate at some point. Yeah. But even before that, even after they were doing, even after they stopped running the triple option, they could run an air raid offense, like a spread offense in the Big 12 and succeed. Yeah. But the Big 10, you're going against guys like Penn State, Ohio State, Michigan, like – you don't have the athletes that those yeah. guys are getting. Like different kind of athlete too. Like, you know, this ain't your your dad's big big ten either. Like like no. the Big Ten is recruiting in Florida too. So you know oh, they recruit in the Southeast, whatever guys that Bama and LSU and Georgia not getting, they've got their hands in that pool too. Yeah, exactly. Definitely. You know what I'm saying? So like I, I like I say, it just didn't work out for me to after I started really paying attention to college football. I didn't understand mm-hmm. that move either. You know, which is there's a lot of teams like uh, when you sit down and think about it. Like when I think about Notre Dame, you know how they flirted with the well, how every sport except football is in the ACC. Like that doesn't fit to me. You know, like every yeah. when I was growing up, I actually thought them as a Big Ten school. I've been saying, and there have been rumors that no, if Notre Dame were to leave independence, that they would want to go to the Big Ten. But I, the deal would have to be so crazy for them to, because they just feel hell bent on keeping football in independence. And I mean, hey, there's nothing wrong with that. It's different, yeah, you know. But I mean, for for but, years. but if they were to go to the Big Ten. They'd be getting even better recruits. They can pull recruits, but they're trying to bank off of their name. And I'm sorry, that name hasn't been relevant. Brian Kelly did a really good job, but if you take that out of there, I mean, 
the last relevant coach was Lou Holtz, and that was in what the mid eighties. I mean, right. that was a little while ago. That was their last championship, <laughs> the last mm-hmm. one, man. So, like, you right about that, man. But I think a lot of their, a lot of their troubles in recruiting, to me, stems from the fact that the school is, uh, for lack of a better word, the school is, um, like, hard to get into. It's the academic standards. That's why Brian Kelly struggled to get a lot of recruits because, I mean, it's hard to find. It's not impossible, but to get a big, like to get a top 25 class with those kind of academic standards, it's damn near impossible. Exactly. And it's not no disrespect to them, but that that's, that's been hindering them because when you're, when you don't have that name to fall back on, like you used to, I mean, that's hard, man. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, the academic standards is, I think, a a a big a big problem. You know, what I'm saying for them. I mean, it keeps the school itself esteemed. Like, if you're yeah. a journalist or if you're a medical person or whatever, it keeps mm-hmm. the school esteemed. In high right? Exactly. Mm-hmm. But if you're a football player. You probably not majoring in brain science, if anything if like that. Typically. Yeah, if we're being honest, you're not going to be doing that if you're going to this school, right? Like, mm-hmm. yeah, you have cases. You know, Florida State had a guy, you know, on the um, one of those biggest road scholar. You know, he's a brain. Literally, he's a brain surgeon right now. But how many mm-hmm. of those cases have we seen? You know, it's a very the- it's a very small minority. Exactly. Exactly. So when you think about that, ha- seeing Brian Kelly succeed in year one really wasn't a surprise for me. Him going to no, because he's got he's got the tools. He's, he's obviously got the advantage everywhere. He's won everywhere. now, but. We're kind of getting crazy, but to your point, you got to think the guy's got all the intangibles. He goes to a power five. I, I can't even say a power five, but you go to a, a former powerhouse like Notre Dame, and it's pretty much like he's being shackled down. Now you go to, to the SEC with one of the premier teams that can get recruits if you have someone that can recruit. He's a hell of a recruiter, and you got all the talent in your backyard. You don't have to go anywhere if you don't want to. You can right. stay in the state, and you'd have a full recruiting class. You'd have a top five recruiting class just off of Louisiana. Right, right. You know what I'm saying? So that that right there, you know, you you give a guy that's had success everywhere he's been, like a new brand of toys to play with. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> like he's probably like, oh my god, I haven't seen these athletes mm-hmm. ever. <laughs> like I, and that goes into what we say about the conferences. These guys are wanting to jump conferences. A lot of these teams want to jump conferences because they've hit their ceiling or they know they can only go so far. Like, let's just say, for instance, Colorado's in rumors to join the Big 12 in 2024. Again. Now, he's getting a bunch of guys through the portal. But imagine if they go back to the Big 12. You're not having to lean on the portal so heavy. And you're getting a good bunch of recruits from Texas or wherever else as well, because now you can compete more. You're not able to compete as much in the Pac-12 because of USC, UCLA, Oregon, Washington, teams like that. So, I mean, it definitely benefits a lot of teams for sure. True. But if Colorado leaves 
the Pac-12, right, and comes to the mm -hmm. Big 12, what is actually left of the Big 12, in my opinion, because of Texas and OU leaving? What, mm -hmm. what kind of conference is that? The you Big know? 12? Yeah, like what kind of conference is that? Because if if you not keep in point, keep in mind that OU and Texas are leaving to the yeah. SEC, right? Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. Colorado joining them, if they weren't leaving, kind of feels like them getting a band back together, right? You're almost getting that conference back to where it was, you know. Mm -hmm. But now since you're leaving. What kind of what kind of conference is that? You know, with those two powerhouse teams that have been kind of blue bloods for that conference forever. You know, mm -hmm. like I don't know if Colorado can bring stability to that conference. You know, just them coming back. You know, even if they have a great mm -hmm. season under Dion this first year, I don't think you can save that conference from becoming <laughs> Group of Five. In a, in a no, I mean, in the Big 12, it's getting a, a, an overhaul. So if we look at it like this, so you're going to lose Texas and Oklahoma after this season. Obviously, they're going to go to the SEC. Cool. Right. Going into – now, you got new teams coming into the Big 12 as of July of this year. You're getting BYU. You're getting Cincinnati. Okay. Okay. You're getting Central Florida and Houston. So you're going to get those four teams back. Okay. So even when Texas and Oklahoma leave, you're going to fill in and have 12 teams. Mm -hmm. And then there's rumored 2024, you're going to get Colorado and Arizona to leave the Pac-12 and possibly join as well. Mm. So, I mean, you'll okay. get the number. You just might not have it, – It's I think it's going to take a little while to grow on people because obviously when you think Big 12, you think Texas, Oklahoma. It's the two powerhouse teams. But mm -hmm. I think over time, I think they're going to try to reinvent themselves with some of these other teams. Mm. And I think it'll be kind of cool to see, like, who's going to take the reins and be like, okay, well, they're gone. Who's going to take the reins and say, okay, this is our conference, or we're going to be a perennial, like, conference champion or competing for that, you know? Okay. No, no, I see that. I, I, I can see that. I can see that. I, I like how you incorporated that because uh, BYU has always been kind of an outlier. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. they, they, they've had some good runs in the history of their football program, including the national mm -hmm. championship, by the way. You know, so um, you know, I I wouldn't I wouldn't be surprised. I think you're right; it'll grow on people. But like, I just I would like to see that conference kind of stay because it's been a great conference. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. It is, and you're gonna lose two mainstay names. It's gonna be hard to see where's that conference gonna be in five, ten years without those two teams. You know. Yeah, actually, you know, speaking of that point, since we've been on the Big Twelve right now, another conference that I think is is in danger of becoming extinct is the Pac-12. Like because yeah, because, mm -hmm. you lost you you lost your your two biggest your two biggest uh cash cows in UCLA and USC, right? So mm -hmm. my thing is yeah, you're gonna have the Oregons, the Oregon states of the world, but nothing brings Pac-12 into focus than having USC and UCLA. Those are your two biggest things, especially since UCLA, which I can't believe I just figured this out like maybe five years ago, is that they play in the Rose Bowl. Like, yeah, so, they do. You know, so that's a big deal. That's like perennial Pac 12. Like, that's the heart of Pac 12. Even, country. You can't even speak Pac 12 without the Rose Bowl. You know what I'm saying? True. So, Agreed. So, like, I just think 
that conference is going to become extinct in a, in a little bit because as good as There's Oregon is, Washington too. Yeah, as good as those teams are, they don't hold don't the same know, value. I don't know if they can carry, you know, the conference like that. And then their TV deal is messing up too. So it's a lot mm-hmm. of factors that go into that. And you can't be just losing teams. You can't lose Arizona, you know, as as maybe bottom feeder-esque as they've been in a, over the last 10 years or so. Like, you can't really lose those teams. You can't lose the little really? guys. You they all I mean? add to the overall character of the conference. Exactly. You lose your like I'm I'm a I'm a build on your point. So you're talking about USC is pretty much the equivalent of what Ohio State is to the Big Ten, yep. of what Alabama LSU is to the SEC. And yep. even if you go out east and you go to the ACC, they're holding the same kind of merit as like a Florida State, as a, a Miami teams like that. You lose that, and it's. It's kind of similar to what we said about the Big 12. It's like, man, where do we go? You know, yeah, where do we where do we go from there? So, like I said, man, the conference realignment is a like I said, it's a great thing. It, it is bringing maybe, excuse me, fan bases that wouldn't get, you know, football a chance. You know, I think you UCF going to um, going to the Big 12 is is like a good thing because they are wide open offense anyway, right? So I think, right. Yep. So I think they'll go really good. But I like I said, man, it's interesting to see the landscape of college football is definitely changing. You know, Um, and Mm -hmm. we're like I said, we're in a good place. It's just a place of unknown. You know what I'm saying? Like everything has Mm -hmm. been the same for like the last kind of decade or so, except for a couple teams moving. But these are Mm -hmm. seismic shifts. We're talking about blue blood programs leaving big conferences that they've basically built since the beginning of time you know so you know it's interesting to see what happens you know going forward agreed so but as we talk about seismic shifts man one of the biggest shifts in college football today is a transfer portal you know it's 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 drawing legal people out to talk about it you know people have you know called it unfair you know what i'm saying people have called it a change a good change of scenery you know what do you feel about it so far you know since we started it so i mean i'm gonna kind of say like i said earlier it's a mixed bag of chips because i view the transfer portal as a good fresh start for certain players whether it be guys say maybe they've already burned their red shirt or they've had bad injuries, and maybe they're going on their last year, and it's like, okay, well, maybe I can still compete, or I can possibly be a starter somewhere. If the opportunity is there, let me take it. But on the flip side of that, there's not – it's kind of – I think you said something about the other the other day. It's like the Wild West. It's not structured the way it should. So we look at – LSU's doing really good in the portal, just for instance. No bias there. But then you look at – Dion goes to Colorado, for instance, and this isn't a knock on him at all, but you pretty much flipped your entire team over and recruited an entire roster from the transfer portal. And I'm not saying there should be restrictions on how many guys you should be able to get through the portal, but at the same time, like, there has to be some kind of accountability or some kind of way we can structure this the right way, because otherwise it's like, man, a lot of kids are getting the short end of the stick, you know? I mean, especially in that case, it's like that. And it's not saying what he did is unfair. But there has to be some. We need to draw a line in the sand. Okay, this is how we do it under these circumstances and these circumstances. 
for the most part, I have no problem with the portal. I think the portal is really beneficial, especially when you have teams like, say, in Alabama or us that maybe we're hurting on one or two positions that, you know, we don't fully feel comfortable enough with maybe a couple of younger guys. We need a veteran to be able to come in, lead that position group, and help us get over the hump. That's completely understandable. But there are a lot of situations where you're like, uh, it could probably be used a little bit better or maybe like a little bit less, if that makes sense. Okay. No, no, I get that. I get that a lot. Uh, to, to get on to your point, I give you a little pushback on, on Dion and, uh, and his transfer portal use. Um, mm-hmm. I watched an interview with him and I think uh, Joel Klatt, who is a former Colorado quarterback, by the way. Mm-hmm. So I watched that interview and it kind of shifted my mindset from what I've heard to really listen to what they were saying, both of them. And uh, Joel asked Deion a question. I'm, I'm paraphrasing. He asked him a question on the lines of uh, what is this backlash from what you've been doing in the transfer portal mean, you know what I'm saying? And he shifted focus from the players he was getting to the players he had, you know? Mm. And I didn't realize that they lost almost all their games the year before Dion got there, you know? So what Dion was walking into was, I can't keep anybody. You know, I can't keep these players because they're stuck in this 0-12 mindset. You know what I'm saying? So I need to take away a lot of these, uh, a lot of this this cancer in the locker room. I need to change completely. So when 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 I thought about an 0-12 team or a team losing the majority of their games or whatever, like there's a lot of people in that locker room that are okay with losing, you know. That's true. We get complacent. Exactly. So if I'm Dion, I can't go into the next season with with these players or the majority of them. I need to pick out who really wants to be here and change the culture, you mm-hmm. know. And over the course of that, you start to find out that a lot of those guys really aren't that good. Sorry, you know, they aren't up to the standard in which Dion sees the program he's trying to build. And when I think about the numbers of the transfer portal that he had, I just think like he just really wants to put the best foot forward for his program. And, you know, if that's getting some great players from other schools that are disgruntled, fine. Hey, we're just going to do it. Right. But it's there to use. I just don't think people like the way that he's using it in a sense. You mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? I, I could agree with you on that. You and know. I think the media has kind of painted it in a way that might not fully be accurate. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like I'm instead of looking at the bigger picture, like Colorado sucked last year. You can't really get any worse. Yeah. Yeah. Like really, really. And we're talking like big, Big blowouts, you know. This is and that's a Pac-12 conference team. This isn't like a MAC team or a Sun Belt. That's yeah. a that's a Power Five conference team that lost 11, 12 games, right? So and they're not even considered to be the worst team in the conference, typically. Exactly. That's you another thing. So you know, you you got a you got a real good opportunity to get a place going that really actually had success in the past has a national championship, yep. has a Heisman winner. You know what I'm saying? They have a lot of good guys who got drafted out of there. 
It's not right. one of the hottest coaches in the NFL right now. Eric Bieniemy was a top three Heisman winner. You know what I'm saying? Heisman finalist, right? So you 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 got some good some good pedigree there, and I think him just using the transfer portal is just trying to use what's available rather than doing mm. it the other way. Now, I think the transfer portal, in a nutshell, for real, is awesome for college football. And as mm-hmm. I mentioned, it has to um, it has to be reg- uh, legislated. You know, has to be. You know, uh, because a lot of people using it as a scapegoat to leave. Like, oh, I'm not starting, so I'm leaving. Like, exactly. nah, nah. Exactly. I think, I th- yeah, I think the the transfer portal should be used. You should have one one chance to use it. I think one chance. You know what I'm saying? To use it, you know, especially if you're an underclassman. If you're an underclassman, you should have one chance to use it one time. Mm-hmm. Now, if you're a graduate transfer, I think, you know, you mm-hmm. you shouldn't you should be able to use it if you graduate from the school that you transferred from, if that makes sense. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, no, I, I would have said the same thing. I agree. Yeah. That's a justified extra use if I, if I had to say so myself. You know what I'm saying? Like if you're an underclassman, use it once and you get another use if you graduate from the school you transferred from. You know what I'm saying? Rather than just, oh, I'm just going to go. You know, like a, a guy, I remember a guy, uh, Tate Martell, right? Yeah, he Dude, was, he... See what I'm saying? Yeah. You, you, already know, you, already, you already know who I'm talking about. You you go to USC, you're a five-star guy, undersized quarterback, right? All well, right. He was cool. Ohio State. Yeah, right? He yeah. Started, he started with Ohio State, right? You're an undersized quarterback, but you're a five-star guy. Not knocking size, not knocking rating at all, right? But mm-hmm. what I'm saying is you go to Ohio State and you're competing with the likes of Joe Burrow, Dwayne Haskins, yep. and I want to say they had some other guy there. But these three guys are battling for a spot, right? So you beat mm-hmm. out Joe Burrow by default because he leaves, right? Then mm-hmm. you got to fight against Dwayne Haskins, right? Now, Dwayne Haskins beats you, so you're already second in command, right? You're going to be able to get the spot, right? Dwayne Haskins mm-hmm. leaves. And you think, all right, this is my spot, right? You and forgot Justin Fields, Justin Fields is upset and he wants to use his transfer portal and he wants to play. Yep. So now you got some competition. Now, all right, cool. Up to that point, up to that point is fair, right? All right, you didn't win the starting spot. You've been working hard. Cool. You leave, right? Goes to Miami. Go, you go to Miami, right? Mm-hmm. You lose out to De'Ara King, right? De'Ara King's a baller, man. I'm sorry, you're not really gonna play there. So you try to trans, you try to change position. Mm-hmm. It doesn't work, right? Then you go back into the portal. So you know what I'm saying? Like that's that's the scenario that I don't like for players to be mm-hmm. going in and committing to these schools and everything. I just I don't like that. Like that's they're going I'm, based off of convenience, right, man? I just think. With, with like I said, with NIL, with transfer portal, things like that, it has to be legislated, man. And I think they should go one transfer portal chance if you're underclassmen, and then you get another one if you graduate from the trans from the school that you transferred from, right? 
that's that's all I'm saying, man. And I really like now to go to your point to close like this whole thing because I know I'm like long winded, but to Here close the, to close the, the the segment down, I like the transfer portal for the the teams that for the players that want an opportunity to increase their draft stock. Like I'll throw out one that changed, I think everybody's mindset on it. Look, look at Jamison Williams for Alabama for for mm. one thing. Like going into the transfer portal, really, if you think about it, really didn't seem like a good idea at the at the moment, right? Your team just lost to the team that you transferred to. So, you know, from an optic standpoint, that doesn't look very good for you. Mm-hmm. But when you think about the bigger picture, he had Chris Olave, Garrett Wilson, and Smith and Jigba, and Marvin uh, Harrison Jr. all in the receiver room. A very loaded receiver room. Exactly. We're talking about four studs in that receiver room, right? You're not really gonna get no. You're not gonna shine for real. You know what I'm saying? So leaving just seemed like a good thing. You know what I'm saying? Because mm-hmm. for competition reasons, right? But it opened up everybody's eyes to the transfer portal being a viable option to get impact players because of how he played for Alabama. You know, like he instantly increased his draft stock tenfold completely. I think he went from maybe a late first round pick to the top five just with that stretch. Like, oh, my God. You know, you got a guy that's out here going hard, blowing the top off with defenses. You know what I'm saying? I think he was something that you in the SEC you hadn't even seen in a very long time. Somebody that Mm. just can beat you with their speed alone. I don't need athleticism. I don't need to be that big. I can just Just blow the top off. Yeah, I can blow the top off your defense anytime. It don't matter what it is. And you got Bryce Young at quarterback too. So you already know you're going to have some fun. You know what I'm saying? Mm. Not saying Justin Fields wasn't good. Let's not say that at all. But but it's a whole different place. It's a whole different place because you know that defensively you're going to have some opportunities to play. You know, they're Mm going to get off the field. You know what I'm saying? So your opportunities to really continue the ball is going to be there. Now, unfortunately, he got hurt in the championship game. But I think his draft, the injury he got, his draft stock was safe. He was going top 10. After he had already cemented where he was at. Even it, with it being the knee injury it was, teams already still, okay, he's got the playmaker. He can get out there and make plays for our team, put us in a better position to win. Right. So, like I said, I just think – And he's a receiver, too. We're not talking about a quarterback either. Right. Now, quarterback is awesome, too, the transfer portal. It's awesome, man. Like, I mean, look at Joe Burrow going into the transfer portal. That's That's the best example right there. A guy who never got a chance to show that, you know, a lot of guys didn't even know who he was. And he comes to LSU, he transfers, he looks okay. But then he takes an entire offseason and just gives it his all. And that team was really well put together, obviously. But, I mean, and he showed out. Had probably the best single season of any quarterback in college football history. But going to your point, I mean, it can really – turn somebody's career around. I mean, even if we just back up a little, let's back up five, six years. Alvin Kamara was with Alabama. Right. Right. Wasn't going to play. And this is early portal. This I don't know if they were even calling it the portal at this time. 
leaves, go to goes to Tennessee, has a decent year when he falls to like the third round. But I mean, he turned his career completely around com- compared to just waiting three, four years and never seeing the field. You know, right? You know what I'm saying? So, like I said, I love it. I love Alvin Kamara. I think that's a perfect example. Him and Joe Burrow are great examples of of guys just taking their talents, you know, to somewhere else to really broadcast it to a bigger, bigger audience. And in my opinion, mm-hmm. you know, I'll, I I'll leave, I'll leave one more uh, comparison. Um, I think of not Joe Burrow, but there was a, another guy that transferred. Um, God damn. Uh, I think of uh, Cam Ward from uh, Washington state, you know, coming from mm-hmm. an FCS school. To come to the big leagues, you know, the impact he had at the FCS level, we're talking like maybe 4,000, close to 5,000 passing yards. Now, look, I understand the competition may not be there, but the fact that you're a gamer, I think can translate. When you get a guy guy like that, you know, that can come in and really transform your program within a year or so, you know, that can change everything, you know what I'm saying? You know, four-star, three-star guy, you know, coming out of high school, goes to such and such a place and, you know, say, hey, I want to go play with the big boys, you know what I'm saying? I think those type of those type of benefits are in the transfer portal in a sense, you know? And I think, I like you said, there's so, many, there's so many positives, there's so many negatives to it, uh, but like I said, I think we in a good place, you know what I'm saying? So going into the future of the transfer portal, do you feel like this is going to be something that is forever? Or are we just looking at a flash in the pan before the NCAA does something about it? I don't think it's a flash in the pan. I think it's here to stay. I think going back to what I said earlier, I think it's going to come to a point where somebody's either going to misuse it or you're just going to have an example maybe of where a team gets a bunch of guys that maybe weren't expected to do as much and it turns into something bigger. Uh, I mean, transferring has always been there. Right. But guys need to transfer around as much. And I think now, I mean, I think it's awesome. You think it's awesome. I don't think it's going anywhere, but I would think if I just take a wild guess, and I don't know a whole lot, but in the next five years or so, I think they're definitely not going to crack down on it. But I definitely think they're going to take a step back and be like, okay, how can this still benefit everybody but still be fair and we can regulate it to where it's not going crazy and to where it can benefit the game and the players in a proper manner, if that makes sense. No, I'm all for it. I'm all for that. Uh, I'm all for it. I like I like that thought process. I think it's not going anywhere. I think it's too many success stories rather than failures for it to not stick around. You know what I'm saying? If it was an all out, you know, you know, SMU paying players or whatever, you know what I'm saying, back in the day, which I think is ridiculous. You know what I'm saying? I think it was yeah. like one of the most ridiculous penalties ever. But that's actually something we can get in on another episode. But I just think it's here to stay. So moving forward, you know, the best segment, my favorite segment of our show so far, our top five segment, man. All right, we did quarterbacks. Uh, last episode, uh, I think it went really good. Uh, sorry for uh, Tommy Frazier out there if you saw our episode <laughs> wrong. I'm sorry, you're not I'm Tommy so Armstrong. Wrong. You're Tommy <laughs> Frazier. 
You are a awesome player. You're a great player, and I love your game. So if you ever see this video or that video, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> but um, today, our top five segment is centered around running backs. Um, my running back position has been a part of college football. I mean, think about the the Heisman pose. Like, it's, it's a running back. You know what I'm saying? So um, it's been a part of the game, man. Some great running backs over the history of the game. But we're going to go top five running backs of uh, of college football all time, uh, regardless of era, Heisman, status, whatever. So top five segments. Uh, you go first, bro. Let me hear it. <laughs> no particular order, but I'm a lot better prepared this time around. I think we got – there's a lot of really good tailbacks. Man. Guys that – one Heisman's. There's a lot of guys even in the last 10, 15 years or so that I was like, man, I really want to put on this list. But I think accomplishments have a lot to do with it. Uh, team accomplishments, just overall. I think it's an overall body of work kind of thing. So, yeah. I mean, I'm not going to go in a particular order. And I think, like, when I was looking at my list, I had to include a couple people from this generation, right? Because I, I didn't see guys like uh, Hershey Walker or whatever. I didn't see a guy like him really play in his prime, right? So it's hard for me to say, oh, my God, he's the best, right? But judging off of the highlights, dude was pretty good, right? <laughs> so mm -hmm. so it's hard for me not to say that, right? So when I thought mm -hmm. about putting people on my list from, like, our generation or new guys or whatever, um, you had to stand off. You had to stand out. Like, I had to really say, mm -hmm. okay, this guy – is one of the best running backs ever and doesn't yeah. get doesn't get any knowledge at all. So yeah. So yeah. I, I like I said, I, I'm interested to see your list. I'm interested. Period. Yeah. So I've got five, but I do want to throw in like three honorable mentions just to be just to give courteous. Uh yeah, I got a five I got a five A five B and a five <laughs> I got Most a five. Guys. I got a five A, five B, and five C. I promise you. Was, I, I had to. I couldn't. I couldn't decide which one. I couldn't. I, I couldn't do it. So it don't surprise you. <laughs> so I mean, I've got five. I've got a couple other ones. Most of these guys I've got actually just for the five aren't in this generation. You're looking at probably the nine in between the eighties and nineties, and maybe like one from the seventies. But if I'm going recently, just honorable mention. Uh, Leonard Fournette at LSU was a really an animal. What he was able to do with the speed, his ability to run through guys, his ability to catch out the backfield, the guy was an animal. Uh, another guy who doesn't really get credit, he's obviously a perennial Pro Bowl in the NFL, is Christian McCaffrey. Now, if I'm going to get in my top five, no particular order, I'm going to uh, go Ron Dane from Wisconsin. Okay. Okay. Guy ran for two thousand yards in a season twice. Guy was a freaking Wisconsin's always really known for right. very talented right. running back. Yeah, Monte yeah. Ball. Yeah. Him, mm -hmm. That's yeah. another yeah. good one right there. Yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. I'll throw a, I'll throw Herschel in there. Herschel was an animal with Georgia, and obviously yeah. it did trans it did translate to the pros, but he was just. Next level, in my opinion. I think he could have won three Heisman in a row, honestly. Like, oh, I wouldn't doubt it. And that, that, I think that's a reason why I had to put him there. I mean, you just can't deny greatness. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Another one I'm a doc is a. Uh, I'll put Ricky Williams top five as well for Texas. Okay. Ricky was 
you got to understand, Ricky, if Ricky wasn't that good, the Saints don't trade their entire draft class to get you. I mean, I was right. He probably didn't to the height fully, but the guy was a good tailback. He he thousand yard seasons. He was able to get you four plus yards of carry. The guy could the guy could run the ball really, really well. Uh now I probably get to the guy the two guys who I think are like one and two, no particular order. You gotta throw Archie Griffin in there. Okay. Okay. Archie Griffin. That's a little bit older out of our time frame, but I mean you can't deny but he got two husband trophies. Two. So you can't deny it. Hey if you're talking running backs my man's was he he's 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 the ghost status. He got something that none of them other dudes got. I dominated college football for two years and they gave me the award two times. So like, oh I got no. I got oh I'm the leading rusher. You ain't getting no two Heismans though. <laughs> <laughs> That's a perfect end to any argument. I don't care, whatever. I agree. Uh, and the last guy, I mean, most people would put him at one. I'd probably put him at one, but you can't have a five list without Barry Sanders. No, no, you at can't. All. They look the guy could do catching the ball with the guy. He's the shiftiness, the acceleration, the way he's breaking tackles, the way he's getting away from everybody, the way he'd run the ball, the way he'd open up the pass game. Like that translates to a lot of guys we see play nowadays guys that aren't just one dimensional, guys that can catch the ball at the backfield, guys that can run routes down the field. and help your quarterback have an extra, like a pretty much a fallback option. You don't have to always rely on your tight end. You don't always have to rely on your, your backside receiver. You know what I mean? You, he, he definitely revolutionized what tailbacks do nowadays, in my opinion. I mean, look, he arguably had the, the greatest running back season, I think, of anybody. Like, now mm-hmm. we got like 15 games or something. Like, he did – like, he got 2,000 – plus rushing yards without the bowl game, to be honest with you. And he got 2,000 plus in like 11, 12 games, something like that. It was something small, but he was killing. He's out there doing OJ stuff, man. Like how OJ run for 2,000 yards in the NFL in like 10 <laughs> games. Like, do you, mm-hmm. understand, like, you understand how crazy that sounds? Like, y'all you really think three- about it. He almost had 3,000 rushing yards in one season. Like, that's mind-blowing, man. Like, I can't I can't stress that that's enough. That's the hate of college football, bro. You don't see like, that kind of stuff no more. No. Like, he out here, like, taking souls, man. Like, like, <laughs> like I think he had 300 yards in one game. Like, like think about that for a minute. Like, a dude just, a run, just running. Just completely like, many, took over. You don't need the quarterback to do anything besides hand it off. Like, how many miles is that just to be running on a football field for 300 yards? Like, that's a that's lot, a, bro. That's a lot of miles, man, putting putting work on people's turf because that's what they were playing on back then. But, mm-hmm. like, I ain't got no problem with that, man. None at all. So, that's a good list, man. I really like how you put Christian McCaffrey in there, man. I forgot really how good he really was. But my dude did everything. You know what I'm saying? Everything. And it opened think, up that offense. And I think I think what hurt him in that Heisman race is the fact that he didn't score a lot of touchdowns. He was getting a whole lot of yards, but he wasn't mm-hmm. scoring a lot of touchdowns. And the reason why Derrick Henry won is because he was changing that scoreboard. They wasn't catching him from behind. So, 
You know, you end up, <laughs> yeah, you end up. I'm just, I'm being honest with you, man. Like, I agree. I definitely like, agree. You, 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 uh, you rush for like 20 touchdowns, something like that, man. And, you know, these are not just touchdowns. These are like 80 yard runs. And he's a big guy to be running like that. Crazy, crazy, crazy. Mm -hmm. But, all right. So, what do you so, hit me with your best shot, bro. Let's see what you got. So, all right. So, I told you I had a 5A, B, and C, right? So, okay. so I, I couldn't decide between these guys because they're all interchangeable. But uh, 5C for me is uh, I'm going to go with Saquon Barkley. Like, he was – Yeah, that's a really good one. He was one of the most electric running backs I've ever seen. And he was breaking the mold for those running backs that, you know, obviously in the NFL, running backs becoming devalued. But he was such a good guy that you can't – you can't not put him in your top five because he was electric. He took everything. And I think I put him on my list specifically because he played in that Fiesta Bowl and he didn't have to. That's That stood mm -hmm. out with me more yeah. than anything. And that's why Leonard Fournette's not in my list because he didn't play in that bowl game, even though his team, mm -hmm. you know, was in it, you know. But I think it stood out for me a lot because he, he risked everything, you know, playing in that game. And, you know, he did. And he balled out. And they won because of him, you know. So that stood out for me. I mean, obviously he had the yards. He had the highlight plays, everything. All-American, whatever. He did everything, you know. So I, I put him on my list. Uh, 5B, I can't, I can't be a Bama fan without having my man Derrick Henry on there. Uh, I love Mark Ingram. He's my guy. You know, he started the Bama, you know, running back tree in a sense, you know, as far as uh, draft picks are concerned, right? So uh, he, you know, he really did his thing. You know what I'm saying? Obviously, we had some great running backs. Uh, Sean Alexander comes to mind. Uh, Derek Lassick was awesome. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Obviously, I said Mark Ingram. We had a guy, Glenn Coffey. He really started the Nick Saban era. And nobody talks about Glenn Coffey, bro. That's nobody talks so, about him. So we, we had some really good running backs at the school, man. But Derrick Henry put the, put the stamp on it. Like, this is one of the schools you need to get a running back from. I mean, I don't yeah. think anybody in the SEC had 2,000 yards rushing. Uh, I don't think ever. I think everybody everybody had a lot of rushing yards, but I think he was the first one to eclipse two thousand in a red. I wouldn't doubt it. Huh? I think you're right. Yeah, so you know, like the running backs we've seen in this league to be the first to do that, and I think it was a dominating season. You know, I hate to say it, but Leonard Fournette's Heisman ended the same day Derek Derek uh, Henry Heisman run began. Okay, <laughs> it yeah. was a it was a rough night for him. Uh, but like it was trending downward anyway because after that game against Auburn, um, we had like 2,250 yards or something like that. Like every performance after that kind of went down. Like it was a 250, like 170, you know, 130 or whatever against uh Troy or whatever, right? It wasn't pretty, you know what I'm saying? So I was like, man, he's trending backwards. Like if it was going in reverse, I think. Oh snap! Okay, now we got something, right? But mm -hmm. because you know they was budding, and, you know it was it was great game, you no know, highlight, you know game or whatever. But Derrick Henry just showed out, man. 
you know what I'm saying? And then in that year, you know, having, you know, almost 300 yards against Auburn, like we have talking like 270, like that's wild, man. I told a guy, he's like, man, Derrick Henry ain't nothing. I was like, I bet he get, I bet he get 300. Bullshit. <laughs> Bullshit. I bet he get 300. Yeah. He's like, nah, man, 270 that night. So he's like, yeah. I like I was bullshitting. I wasn't even I wasn't even serious. I was like, give me 150 and we good. He went, he hey, went. anything's possible when you got a tailback like that, man. Yeah. So and then uh 5A is Marshall Falk, man. I think the biggest snub as far as running backs is concerned. If we're talking Heisman, uh I'm he almost had, I think he had 2000. So, you know, uh and talk about backs being the the architect for backs today. I think it starts with Marshall Falk, man. He can do everything. Pass, protect, uh, catch, uh, run, obviously. So he could do everything, man. And I think he was, if we talk NFL, he was responsible for kind of breaking in uh, Peyton Manning uh, a lot. Yeah. People don't understand how important he was, man. He could control pass protection because he knew how to do it. Peyton Manning really didn't have to do that for real. And he kind of mm-hmm. eased Peyton Manning in, just let him focus on, you know, being a quarterback, you know, because you got a good running back back there. Um, you can do a lot, man. You know, he's your, almost your last line of defense, you know what I'm saying, especially for a free runner, you know. So, um, like I said, I think he was a snub. Uh, I would not have given that Heisman to Geno Toretta. I don't even know who that is for real, but guess what? <laughs> he won, and I thought it was, uh, I thought it was crazy, you know, uh, but – Whatever, mm-hmm. right? Pack twelve after dark. Nobody was watching. I think it was stupid. Uh, but hey, whatever. He won, right? So he's not five. Uh, four. Uh, going Archie Griffin, man. I think Archie Griffin. I watched some highlights of him, man. He was so smooth, slicing through those Big Ten defenses. Uh, like it was simple. Like they wasn't even there, you know. But you, you're on my list when you get two Heisman, man. Ain't nobody got that. I think that puts you almost on everybody's top five list. I don't care if you're five, one, whatever. You're on the list. Two Heismans. And really, the second one was better than the first, if you ask me. Like, so um, I think I think he, he's on my list, right? So three, I got Bo Jackson, Auburn. I mean, talk about. Yeah, that's what I want. That's, that's definitely one that uh, I should have. I got to. I have to go. Uh, have to go. Bo Jackson and Auburn. I hate Auburn. It hurts me to say this, but uh, <laughs> uh, hurts me to say this. Uh, but you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he was really good, man. Uh, he was good, uh, and he torched a lot of defenses, including ours. So, uh, <laughs> uh, so I, I thought. Uh, I thought he was really good, man. But fandom aside, man, talk about athletes, man. He could. Everything you wanted as a running back, fast, uh, fast, strong, everything. He could do it all, man. Uh, and, you know, to be in his career, to be playing both sports in college, I think that's awesome. I think people should do that even more nowadays. If you're good at one, you should play the other, you know. But, you know, we're in a different era. But uh, I thought he was really good, man, and he did a lot, man. So, uh, I think if you're talking his NFL career, obviously it was cut short because of injury, but I think it would have been, it wouldn't have even got to that point had Tampa Bay did him right. Uh, people don't understand that Tampa Bay had the first pick in the draft, in the NFL draft, 
and he just wanted to play baseball for his senior year. And they, you know, told him that he was going to be uh, able to, and he tried to, and they deemed him ineligible because he had uh, talked to, I guess he had did a private jet or whatever. So it messed him up and he didn't go to Tampa Bay. They drafted him, but he didn't go there and the rest is history, right? But that could have changed the course of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Think about that. Mm-hmm. Think about that foreshadowing for another episode, but just think about that for a minute. All right, mm-hmm. so number two on my list is, uh, can't go wrong, we just talked about it, Barry Sanders. Um, Barry Sanders, obviously, almost 3,000 yards in one season. Uh, he's a Heisman winner, uh, drafted by the Lions. Uh, rest is history, man. He's on everybody's list, maybe Mount Rushmore of running backs. Like, it doesn't matter. College, pro, shit, high school. <laughs> he probably on the list, right? So mm-hmm. uh, already said what he's done, right? Number one, obviously, Herschel Walker. Uh, I don't think we're talking running backs. I don't think um, you can say much about him in college, man. I think, you know, he was responsible for them winning that national championship that they've held in so much regard. 1980, it was all him, damn near. And, um, yeah, he could have won three Heisman's in a row, man. That's just that, – that speaks dividends for you coming into the league balling. You know, longevity and consistency. Yep. Like that's just star power, man. Like, like when they say you could have won three highs in a row, you was damn good. So he's number one on my list, man. Uh, that's my order, man. Uh, what'd you think? (laughs) No, I mean, we agree on most of them. And I mean, I would have, I would have put Bo. It, It was really. If we were making a top 10, I probably – he would have definitely been there. And I do agree uh, to your point pretty much how you said Saquon played and Leonard didn't. That's kind of a deal breaker with me because, like, I don't like when – that's kind of where we're at right now in college football. Like, guys will – I mean, good prime example. Like, let's look at uh, Jamar Chase. Like, like, sat out an entire season during the COVID year. You know, I mean, and Kayshawn Boutte had a really good year based on that. But, like – just sitting at that, that's definitely a turnoff for me, you know? Yeah. And it showed where. But COVID was different, though. Like, that was, yeah. that was like, that was life or death in a situation, man. People just kind of went for their own health and and consideration, Mm -hmm. you know what I'm saying? But, like, for Leonard to not play, that kind of messed with me a little bit, man. Yeah, I agree with you. I think you I get it. He's a top guy. You don't want to do, you don't want to do it. But your your boys played, you know what I'm saying? Your boy Jamal Adams played, and he was damn good. All them dudes played. Yeah, all of them played, man. For you not to play, and, you know, I just, I don't know. I just didn't agree with it, and that's the kind of deal broke for me because I would have gave him, I would have gave him one of my fives because he was damn good, you know what I'm saying? But, no, I can't do that. You know, but like I said, man, I love your list. I uh, loved it, especially with Christian McCaffrey. That was like a boom for me. I was like, I forgot all about him. You know what I'm saying? But other than that, we kind of overlap, man. R.G. Griffin, uh, Bo, uh, Barry Sanders, Herschel Walker. I think I think we had a good good list, good list battle there. You know what I'm saying? So, um, 
but yeah, man, uh, last segment, uh, closing arguments, man. So, um, uh, we kind of bleed into the next episode a little bit. Um, so obviously the SEC is, uh, you know, the premier, uh, conference, you know, obviously with, uh, Texas, Oklahoma joining, uh, but we got, uh, what, one year for that. So what's your, um, what's your thought process on them joining, man? Like how, how do you, what do you feel about that? From a conference standpoint, I think it helps solidify the SEC that much more. The SEC is already the premier conference. Nobody can debate that. The competition is there. The talent is there. For the most part, the coaching is there. You're going to go and you're going to add maybe two of the most prolific, like some of the most prolific teams of all time. Texas has got great history. Oklahoma's got great history. That's a perfect conference now. Besides maybe some teams that be like, eh, like you need bottom feeder teams, like say your Vanderbilts. And I don't want to say Missouri, but sometimes I feel like Missouri. But that's that's okay. That's okay, man. But I think it's going to benefit the conference as a whole, but they're going to have a reality check. It's not the Big 12 anymore. Mm-hmm. You're going into a conference where Arkansas can be two and eight. And they can come into your house and blow you out by 40 points. I mean, they did it to Texas last year, the year before. They blew them out by 30, 40 points. Anybody can beat anyone on any given Saturday. It doesn't matter if it's Ole Miss. It don't matter if it's Kentucky, Tennessee, Alabama, LSU, Georgia. It doesn't matter. If you don't come to play, the talent is there. If you're not ready to go, you're going to get blown out the water. Now, I think there will be growing pains. I don't think Texas is going to – I don't know how they're going to do the divisions, or I think they may have agreed in the SEC to, like, do away with divisions but keep rivalries. I don't know the full story. I had to do my research. But I don't see – if I had to pick one of the two that have more immediate success, I'd probably say Oklahoma. I'm not the biggest believer in Steve Sar- – not Steve Sarkeesian. Uh, oh, who is Texas? No, that's that's Oklahoma. Texas is uh, – No, Texas is Steve Sarkeesian, yeah. Yeah, I'm not the biggest believer. They've got great talent. He's definitely done really well. They've done really well recruiting. But if I have to go and say, okay, one of these two is going to have more success, I'm going to have to say Oklahoma. Okay. Okay. Um. All right. I'm gonna. I'm gonna say it's a. It's a. It's a slightly positive thing. I mean, obviously, it's positive because we're broadening the southeastern conference like we've already been into missouri we got into texas with texas a&m earlier so you're just broadening the the geographic landscape of the sec so now you're deepening your your stronghold in texas and you're deepening your stronghold in the middle conferences um with um oklahoma you know, so it's some good players there. Obviously, Texas recruits in Oklahoma and vice versa. So other, excuse me, other schools are going to be able to uh, go into those territories, right? So it just uh-huh. brings more eyes to the conference, man. It's becoming a bigger, bigger conglomerate, man. You know, that's where the NFL players get drafted every year and never fails. Last decade, the SEC's had the most percentage of players in NFL. So now you're just broadening that 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 reign of terror, man, that we've been put on college football, man, because the with the expanded playoffs, man, you guaranteeing at least four teams 
on the SEC getting in there every year, like hands down, because you're gonna have alone. You're gonna have Bama in there. You're gonna have Georgia in there. You're gonna have LSU in there. Now, give or take, whichever one of those teams loses first in the thing, that'll kind of determine the rating rankings, or whatever. But even a two-loss SEC team is still in the top ten. Yeah, and you're not. The quality of was there. And and that's my and that's my my second point. So now you're guaranteeing a spot, and I guarantee you they're gonna try to put a group of five team in there because they might be undefeated. But now mm-hmm. with Texas and Oklahoma in there, what you gonna say about strength of schedule now? They're gonna they're gonna definitely try something silly with that. Like they're gonna say, oh well, they're not gonna say it out loud. They're gonna be, oh, the SEC's in plainer terms, the SEC is dominating. We can't put Bama, LSU, Georgia, and just say if Jimbo gets it together, we can't put A and M in there. It's like, we, oh, we they're doing too We good. can't do it. We can't do it because they we're gonna win it every year. game. Like, nah, bro, keep all nah, that. You expect of schedule is the reason why Bama didn't get in one year. And it's the reason why Ohio State didn't get in there one year. So now, mm-hmm. strength of schedule, what you going to say about it now? Because the Big Ten got USC and UCLA. So now they're playing tougher teams on road yep. trips back and forth. So now you can't really say that. And the SEC, now you can't say it. We got Texas and Oklahoma. So now that's one extra team for each person to play. What if they play both of them in one year? It's happened. It's happened. You know what I'm saying? So now, like I said, um, as far as strength of schedule, now all those teams is getting in there regardless. So you can't keep us out. SEC is probably going to dominate this new thing. What are we going to go to? 16? No. So, you know, it's not happening. <laughs> you know, so it's not happening. Yeah. You know, it's going to be happen. madness. You never know. Exactly. So it's going to be madness. <laughs> So uh, my last point about uh, them joining is uh, rivalries, man. It's some rivalries that are returning, man. Oklahoma, Missouri was a big one. Uh, Oklahoma, mm. Texas was a big one. Yep. Texas A&M, yeah. that was a big one. You know what I'm saying? Arkansas, Texas is actually a big one from the Southwest. Coast. Oh, yeah. That's a good one. So, you know what I'm saying? LSU, Arkansas has always been there, so that's not really one. But uh, Arkansas, uh, Oklahoma, kind of the four-corner thing, they they all been in there. Uh, so that's a good one. Um, so like I said, man, some good rivalries coming back that are re- being reinstated. So I think that's a good thing for college football because it's been a while since we had those matchups, specifically Missouri-Oklahoma. Because the border rivalry and talking Big Twelve stuff. That used to be a good yeah. one when they yeah. had when Oklahoma had Bradford and Missouri had Chase Daniel and guys like that. Like that was a battle every year. People don't talk about how good the Big Twelve was at that point, and people don't talk about how good Missouri was in the Big Twelve at that point. They were competing with Texas and Oklahoma, Texas Tech, all those teams every right. year. Right, right. Back then, it was only like a couple athletes away every time. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Every time. So, you know, and they went toe-to-toe with them, you know what I'm saying? So that's um, like I said, man, that that's a good, that's a good uh good conference right now. And uh we the flag bearer, man, for everything. Everything uh you want to talk about it. We talk about money. Ain't nobody got more money than the SEC. 
You talk about competition. It's the best competition, top to bottom. Even throw Vandy in there because Vandy can beat you too. People understand, man. Vandy can beat you. If you don't show up, you will be beat by Vandy. They beat Kentucky last year when they were heavily unfavored. See what I'm saying? So even the bottom feeders, man. So you want to talk about coaches? SEC got the best coaches in the game. You know what I'm saying? And we can sit here and list all. I mean, most of them have all got good credentials. Even the bottom feeder coaches still aren't bad coaches. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? Like I said, man, it's the reason why Will Muschamp got fired from South Carolina because he couldn't win. You know what I'm saying? But look who he was going against. You know what I'm saying? So, like I said, man, that, but that's a that's another thing we can get into uh, coaching uh, in the next episode. But, um, but like I said, man, SEC is great, great conference, and we're definitely on top of college football, man. Talk about it. Agreed. You know what I'm saying? But uh, this is uh, episode two, man. Episode two, man. Uh it was awesome, man. We had some great topics. Great topics, man. I love arguing with you a little bit. Talking sports is so fun, man. Uh, having uh, somebody that really gets college football like me, you know. So I enjoy it, man, and appreciate you joining me today, man. Let's keep this going. Uh, anything you got to yes, say, sir. man, before we go? Oh, All I can tell is the people watching, just be patient. We're working out the kinks. We're taking our time, trying to really understand each other's perspective, as well as trying to give you guys what you want. I don't find nowadays they have a really a, too many sources of guys where you can sit there and watch and really be entertained, learn, and really just be able to get a good college football experience. So we're trying to give you guys that. Just be patient. Stay along for the ride, and it'll be worth it in the end. All right. Couldn't have said it better, man. But all right, man. Um like I said, great show. Uh, episode three coming soon. Yes, sir. All right, bro. Later. Yes, sir.